Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have one of the top three speakers in the world joining us, Mr. Michael Heppel. So stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. Let me bring Michael on. Michael, welcome to the show. Well, it's lovely to be here. What an intro. (laughs) Thank you. Everybody must say that they love the video, do they? A lot of people say that, yeah. Yeah. I need to add you. I'll add you to the video now. (laughs) Well, I'll do something dramatic so that you can have something good to cut to. Because you know what we've sat there going... Well, here we are in in the UK. It's raining again. <laughs> yeah, we'll bounce. We'll bounce. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. So I I had a feeling we were gonna have fun today. So um, you know, I, I'm I'm a little surprised that you didn't show up with a bacon sandwich. However, uh, you know that. Shall I tell you a funny story about that? I know what you're referring to. Yes. This is my TEDx video, isn't it? Yep. So it's, look. It's awesome. No, but let me tell you a funny story. To, and this is this you won't you won't have noticed this, but I bet you go back and watch it again. Yeah. So this this was when everybody wanted to do a TEDx video. Like you've got to have a TEDx video. Everybody's got a TEDx video. I mean, you really yeah. want the TED video, but nobody's getting those unless you're a, former president or something and <laughs> right. um, anyway, so, here, so i'm going to do my thing and i'm going to be uh, i'm going to do my tedx talk and the guys who did it were um like london city boys so they were all like stockbrokers and things like that okay and they were all very raw and very we've got we're doing it's tedx in the city and we're doing this and we're doing that it's going to be great and we're, we're doing all and i was like okay well that's fine i'm, I'm up for it and they go, yeah, we're talking about the future. We're talking about the future of work, and we're talking about the future of, of leadership and the future and all that type of stuff. So I thought, okay, great, I'm ready. So I, one of the things you need for a good TED Talk is a prop. So I got this bacon sandwich, and it's it was – I mean, it's about that big. It's massive. And the hotel where I was staying that the, the night before, I asked them to make me a big bacon sandwich. They made this massive bacon sandwich. So I did my whole talk, and I talked about – had a nice story and blah, 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 all these different things. And then I finished off, and I was really pleased. I thought, oh, that's gone really, really well. The next day they got in touch and said, Mike, I've got some bad news. One of the cameras wasn't working, so we can't use it. I was like, why not? And they went, because it's all just one camera shot. And then the, the, the other camera just keeps moving around, and and it's like, it, and then he thinks he's doing the wide, but he's not. He's doing this. I was like... Give me the footage and see if I can do something with it. So I like really, I was like, yeah, I, I do video editing. It's like my little hobby yeah. to see if I can do something with it. So they sent me the footage, and I got it, and I I edited it myself, and I added in slides, I added in audience shots, I did all sorts of stuff, sent it back, and they were like, oh my god, it's a miracle, it works. I was like, yeah, yeah, oh, <laughs> send it off. So they sent it to the TED people. It gets it gets posted online on the TED site. And then somebody got in touch with me and they went, Michael, that video. It's like, yeah, and I said, it's really interesting. You're on the stage and in the audience. I was like, <laughs> no way. And when you watch it, the audience shot is a shot of me watching somebody else. And I oh. just, I didn't even think about who was in the audience. So there's me at one point. I do a joke <laughs> and I cut to the audience and there's me going, <laughs> laughing at myself. Oh my God, are you kidding me? Seriously, 100% oh. it's there. You can go and have a look at it. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, well, the, ba- the ba- so the bacon sandwich story is actually a really real. Nancy says you look like her dad. My God, she says. <laughs> well, Nancy, you must have a very, very good looking father. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, Michael, um, you know, I like to always – I started this show about two and a half years ago. Gittimer was one of my very first guests, and his wife was the very first guest. 
And um, that was 300 plus ago. And, wow. and so, so, you know, I, I like to always kind of start off and for, for the audience members that don't know who you are, um, you recently released this amazing little book called 17, and we'll talk about that. Um, but would you mind telling everybody where you were born and raised? I mean, it's kind of a Texas accent you have there. Yeah, it is. Yeah, the, the deep south of the of the northeast of England. So I I was so probably the place that most people when you're on holiday and you're traveling and people say where are you from, my wife always says, "Oh, we're from Northumberland," and people go, "They're not the north what?" And especially in America, they're not the north of what? Is that like Scotland? And you kind of go, "No, no, it's not Scotland." So. It's. I'm really from a place called Northumberland, but nobody knows Northumberland. But you might know a place called Newcastle, which has a football team called Newcastle United, and yeah. it's kind of that sort of area. So for the global audience, Newcastle. If anybody's watching from the north of England, it's actually somewhere called Concert County Durham, and Concert County Durham is one of those places. I'll give you an idea what it was like. Even the cats had skinheads. <laughs> It was it was a challenge, yeah. Oh my gosh! If you visited my school, the the um, head teacher used to say to visitors, um, "Excuse me, before you go in, I have to ask: Do you have any weapons?" And people would say, "No, no, no." He said, "What would you like? A knife? A gun?" <laughs> uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a line here and guess that you might have spent time in the principal's office as a kid. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I did. It was really, do you know what? School and I, we did not get on at all. I couldn't wait for the day I could leave. I mean, and I, let, I was 15 yeah. when I left school. Wow. It was just the most joyful day. And I, I literally, I had a fire and I burnt my school books. And I kind of <laughs> wish I hadn't because there was some hilarious stuff in there. That is so funny. I hated school too, man. Oh, I mean, I wow. hated it. And I see my 10-year-old daughter going through it, and I just say, I, I, honey, I agree. I hated school too. But you know, one of the things that was really cool, my parents, they knew that how much I disliked school. And they used to do, I don't know if they do this all over the world, but they would have a parents' night. Yeah. The idea of the parents' night, you know, people would, they would queue up. And then they would sit down and then they would talk about you know, how Michael was getting on and all that type of stuff. And there was a, a teacher um, who was a real pain in the backside and he was very loud. And he was, he was saying stuff like, really so Michael's very difficult. He's very difficult to manage and he's, you know, he's, he's not going to do much with his life. He keeps on going down this track, blah, 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 blah. And my mum, I was 13 at the time, my mum stood up and she went, excuse me, the end, this is the finish. I am not coming to this school to see some overpaid, underqualified person pontificating about my child publicly. I am not coming back to any more. And she turned around and she walked out and she wow. never went to another parents' night. And I just was like, it. People knew my mom for this. That is, that is awesome, man. That's awesome. <laughs> So, so did you end up? What are the, in 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 the UK? Is it called um, university? Yeah. Did you go to university? No way. I was working <laughs> when I was fifteen. What'd you do? What were you? What'd you start work? What'd you do? Put roofs on. I was a roofer. Wow. Because that was my dad's business, and wow. and it was always promised that you know when I was like nine years old, my dad used to say, "One day, son, this will all be yours." And you know, when you're nine years old, the prospect of owning, you know, two vans and six ladders is quite exciting. <laughs> so I thought that was that was my future. I'm going to be a roofer. So I left school one day, and then the next day I started to um, do this um, job uh, as a roofer. And after about an hour, I thought this isn't going according to plan. <laughs> the, the other guys don't like me. And it was the classic, you know, you're the boss's son, and they would like hit me with hammers and all sorts oh. of stuff. And I was like thinking, come on, Michael, this, this is, is you, you've got to make this better. You've got to make it better. And after a week, I thought, I need to leave. I need to leave. I need to find another job. And I wow. did seven years later. And oh for the my. first seven years of my life, I did a job that I didn't love. I, le I got an apprenticeship. I learned lots of skills. It was fine, but I didn't love it. And then 
I realized that actually I'll, I'll never do that again. I will never <laughs> do something I don't love. And since really? that day, yeah, so yeah. You I, were only, that was that means you were only twenty two. I was twenty two. Other people were leaving university then, so they've they've got their college degree and that type of thing, and they're leaving, and I'm like just starting. So, so you you made the decision at twenty two years old, which you know, looking back, that's young. I mean, that, that's pretty young, right? At, at twenty two, you said, "I'm never doing anything again that I don't love." I don't love it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, made that decision at that point. Wow. So where'd you go? What 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 happened after that? I'll bet your dad was excited. Well, do you know the thing was, I was offered a one year job to be a youth worker, and um, I used to do voluntary youth work, and I got a chance to be a full time youth worker. And I remember saying to my dad, "It's just for one year, and then I'll come back." And he looked me in the eye and he said, "Son, you and I know." You're not coming back. So go and enjoy it and do it and love it. He says, you haven't looked happy since your first week. I was like, shit, he knew. Wow. <laughs> so, um, so, yes, I um, I became a youth worker and then I became a fundraiser. And when I was a fundraiser, I met some very, very successful people, like people who could write a check for a quarter of a million pounds and just not miss it. Yeah, And that's when I got into personal development because one day I met a guy called David Brown who invented the Caterpillar. You know, the big split axle trucks you see in quarries yep. and things. He's, he was the inventor. Wow. And, uh, and um, I got a donation of um, half a million pounds from him. It was oh, a, my gosh. What's called a good day, a good day when you're a fundraiser. Yeah, jeez. And, and I started to ask him questions. And I was always fascinated by you know, successful people, how did they do it? And what did they do? And what time do you get up in the morning and all that type of stuff? And I'm asking all these questions and he's giving me these answers. And after about an hour, he went, Michael, I'm just going to stop you right now. It's getting dark outside. You've got the money. You've asked me all these questions. It's probably time for you to go. And I said, I'm so sorry, Mr. Brown, but if, if there's anything I can do for you, just let me know. And he said, yeah, I'm going to ask you two questions and I want you to answer honestly. I was like, right, okay, great. And he said, um, what are you reading right now? And I was like, oh, um, I think it might, <laughs> be a, it might be a Jeffrey Archer book. And he was yeah. like, okay, you're going to stop reading that, and I'm going to suggest you read two books. I was like, okay, great, I'm ready. And he said, the first one is a book called Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. I was mm. like, think, think and Grow What? And he said, the other one's called How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. I was like, yeah, never heard of them but I'll order them. And, and I did. And little did I know that the first two books I read in personal development and self-help were the two classics. I mean, I started with the two classics. It was wow. extraordinary. And then he said, I've got one more question for you. I was like, yeah, okay. He said, what was the last course that you went on that you paid for? And I said, oh, I did this thing with work. And he went, no, 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 not with work that you paid for. Mm. And I was like, yeah, he says, you should start and invest in yourself, young man, because you're bright and then you've got something, invest in yourself. So I started to go on courses and I started to read and I said I was going to read a book a week for the rest of my life and kind of have-ish, don't always, <laughs> do it, but, you know, right. it's always my goal to do that. Yeah. And, um, and then I got a chance to teach what I knew to kids. So I had a youth work background. Then I got a chance to teach kids started wow. this weekend course with somebody else. It became very successful and then got a chance to teach teachers. And that was when everything changed because teachers are the hardest people in the world to teach because they already know everything. So yeah. <laughs> suddenly go and do a teacher training day and to have like questions asked. Like I remember one day I was talking about positive language and the importance of positive language. You know, this is really important. You've got to use positive language. And then a teacher said, can I ask you a question? I said, yeah, sure. What's the question? He said, just related to that thing you were talking about language. What's the cognitive process that takes place in the neocortex of the brain whilst processing positive language patterns? <laughs> well, you know, Ken, between you and me, she'd lost me after what's the? <laughs> the, the what? What's the what? The cognitive... Yeah. <laughs> but I did know, I did know a little bit of consultant speak at that point. So I said, I'm going to find out and come back to you. And do you, do you believe the right people turn up in your life at the right time? Yep. 
the very next day, I got a phone call from a guy called Professor John Macbeth. And at that time, he, uh, John was head of quality and education at the University of Strathclyde. He then went on to become the um, director of educational leadership at Cambridge University. So wow. just, and this guy, he's got a brain the size of a planet. And he said, I heard about the school you were at yesterday. And I've heard that you're good at what you do, but you need more knowledge. And I'd like to help you. Is there anything I can help you with? I was like, do you by any chance happen to know what the cognitive process is that takes place in the neocortex of the brain while processing positive language? <laughs> and John's answer was, was so good. He went, I've got a paper on it. Oh, my God. Like, really? And I drove around to his office and he handed me, I mean, this is like pre the people didn't have access to stuff on the internet. You had to print stuff out or get a copy of the paper from libraries and things. And he gave me this big, thick paper. And it was literally about what happens in the brain and how we can change brain function through language. And I remember going back to that school a month later, and I was like six foot tall. It's <laughs> a lot for me. <laughs> because, uh, and I was thinking, this is brilliant. I can't wait to go in and answer this question. And then John became my mentor and we wrote education programs together. And then after a while, I thought, okay, it's time to do my own thing. So I started um, my business, the imaginatively titled Michael Heppel Limited. But, but, he, but he, so he was what, he, what was it? He was the head. So he was the, he was the head of quality in education at the University of Strathclyde when I met him. And then he went on to be the, um, the, chair of educational leadership at cambridge university so but and you had no college university education and he and he was my mentor he looked after me he that's was amazing. amazing we once went to singapore together john and i to speak at the world thinking conference in singapore <laughs> and i mean did you know there's such a thing as the world thinking conference <laughs> i mean it's mad isn't it and, and the reason that John oh had to come with me, because I wouldn't have been allowed on the stage unless I had a professor with me. Right. So like the, on the opening day, the opening keynote is by Edward de Bono. Um, you know, the, wrote the six thinking hats and all that type of stuff. So you've got yeah. one of the top thinkers in the world. And I'm like, I'm thinking, this is going to be brilliant. This is amazing. I can't believe we've got all these people who are going to be speaking at this event. This is fantastic. This is great. So the doors opened and I ran to the front row and I'm sat in the front row. I'm going, John, John, I've got us a seat in the front. I've got a seat in the front. He's going, sit back here, sit back. And I'm going, no, no, seat at the front, sit at the front. So we sat down in the front row at, for this event. And then John, John was like, are you sure you want to be here, Mike? I said, it's Edward de Bono. We're going to be like feet away. It's going to be brilliant. It was in Singapore. And to open the conference, they had the prime minister of Singapore did the opening address. Oh, my gosh. What do you think the chances of this are? The second most boring man in the world introducing the most boring man in the world. <laughs> What are the chances? The <laughs> Prime Minister of Singapore sounds like Charlie Brown's teacher. Right? So I'm sat there, I'm thinking, come on, Michael, we're gonna, this is going to be great. And then, and then eventually, oh, Edward de Bono. And Edward de Bono comes out and he sat down. Remember when the overhead projectors used to have an acetate on a roll? Yeah. Yeah. And he, yeah. There, he had these colored pens and he would draw something and he would mutter. And then remember six hatting and the court thinking is that the process is. Oh second. my God. And suddenly I got something which I'd never had before because I'd never traveled that far in my life. <laughs> I got jet lag, but I didn't get, <laughs> oh, I'm feeling a bit tired jet lag. I got sleep now or you will die jet lag. Have you ever had that jet lag? So I'm sat there, I'm thinking, right, if, if I sit, oh my I sit God. like this, I can pretend <laughs> I'm watching because everyone behind me, they can't see my face. De Bono, he's looking down anyway. <laughs> he's right, not going to see. So, so I got, so sat like this. <laughs> and about, yeah, I, must, I don't know how long it was, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, I woke up and I was down here. Oh my God. And I, I sat up. <laughs> 
And I was like, shit, did anybody see? Did anybody see? And I looked over at John Macbeth and I nudged him and he went, oh, good point, yeah, straight away. I thought, oh, he's, he's been to some conferences, this guy. He was, he was right back in. Oh, that is- and I looked over my shoulder, and this was the moment, Ken. I looked over my shoulder and I saw two and a half thousand people from 60 different countries, all at various stages of sleep. <laughs> and they were like, auto up. And I was like, this is the World Thinking Conference. So I said to John, we are going to present and we are going to present our heart out and we are going to be fun and interesting. And he went, well, it's an educational conference. I don't know whether people are going to want that. I said, they will. Trust me, they will. So we did our presentation and it was called Seven Ways to Teach Creativity in the Classroom. And we did it the first time. We got 150 people there. They asked us to do it again. We got 400. The last time we did it, Get this, we had 2,000 people turned up for a workshop. Oh, my God. Everybody who hadn't been there beforehand, they all came. They had to put us in the main hall. It was amazing. And, but that's and, because you, you, you make it interesting. Well, that was it. And we won best speaker at the World Thinking Conference. <laughs> my wife, my wife said. Oh, that's <laughs> great. The World Thinking Conference. That was it, Jill. <laughs> that was exactly it uh, yeah. oh, man. oh my god dude that is unbelievable so yeah. so so you you just decided you know what we can actually make this interesting for the we attendees had we had to and people loved it oh my god we had, that, we had people that. making those um those paper things where you kind of go pick a number two to four all yeah we had um you know people standing up and doing stuff there were so many people came along to the second one because they said look will you do it again and they gave us a room for about 200 people there must have been 400 in we had somebody sat underneath the flip chart wow one one of the things that we realized very quickly was that in the morning session they would do a big um with everybody there in the morning and they would do the announcements well singapore is a great nation it's absolutely fantastic but they literally do exactly as they're told (laughs) so the person who read out the announcements in the morning we said we're doing our workshop again in the main hall on friday morning it's the last day of the conference and um would you mind reading out um that announcement so people know it's going to be in the main hall yes of course sir i can do that i said i'll write something down for you so we handed this note, and this is what she said. It was almost like word perfect. As much as I remember, almost word perfect. She went, due to the phenomenal success of Seven Ways to Teach Creativity in the Classroom by Professor John Macbeth and Michael Heppel, they are going to do it one last time. You really need to be there, as this is the most popular workshop at the conference. It will take place tomorrow morning in this hall at 10 a.m. Please make sure you're here early. She read it out word for word. Wow. John and I were like, get in. This is great. <laughs> and sure enough, 2,000 2, people showed up the next one. There's people who came to the first session, the second session, and the third session. They came to all three. So these, so these are like side workshops you're doing at the main conference. Yeah. And we had, <laughs> we had more people than the main keynote. <laughs> That is awesome, man. So, so I'm going to get to this question early. I normally save this for the for the end, but I, I am really curious to hear your answer. Uh, you know, I, I'm always curious as to I, I I walked out of high school in 12th grade when they said you didn't get a biology credit in 10th grade, and I said, yeah, because it sucked. I'm 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 never dissecting a frog again. So what's the point? And, and they didn't like that. And so they didn't give me the certificate that I graduated and all. And I, whatever. But like, I've always been like, I don't care about that. Let's just read books and learn and, and go, right? Yeah. But I don't understand what, what holds people back in life. I, I've seen some of the most brilliant people I've ever known in my life that are barely getting by and it's like what why what go do something what 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 do you think it is i mean everybody says fear but it's got to be deeper than that right 
Well, I don't think our, I mean, you've pointed out something now. I don't think our education system helps. You know, we, yeah. we still, we still educate children in a method that was designed to prepare people for factories. Right. And we, they still do that. Yeah. I mean, we don't teach kids how to learn. We don't teach them how to think. We don't teach them to be curious. We teach them to, you know, to, to process and to do stuff by and there's, there are, hey, I, you know what? If I'm going to get some brain surgery, I want somebody who is completely anal and detailed about that type of stuff. I yes. don't want somebody who's testing out a bit of creativity on me. Yeah, I've not done <laughs> this before, but I'll have a go. What happens if we put a red pen in his head? We don't want that. But if I'm working with somebody to to, to change some thinking or to change some you know, a way of working in an organization, then I love the person who goes, what happens if you put a red pen in there? Should we find out? Oh, things go a bit red. Next. So that's fine. But, you know, Ken, the, to go to the question, which is why, why don't people do it? I don't know and I don't care anymore. I used to. I used to want it for everybody as much as I wanted it for me. But the truth now is actually what I want more than anything is I want people to find their own happiness. Mm. And if your happiness is watching Netflix series, you know, binge watching this and sat there on the sofa eating popcorn and scratching your bits and doing whatever, if that's making you happy, great. Wow. That's it. Because I'm, I'm so happy. I'm ridiculously happy in my life. You know, <laughs> it's mad how happy I am. I've got everything. And I and I didn't even realize I had everything until well, permission just to go off piece and tell you a little yeah. a, a, a quick story. So we um we used to go to Ibiza with our family every year from when the kids were small. A what? Ibiza. 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 Uh, it's an island off Spain. In oh, the oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. I, I got you. Party Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so we've been going there for you know many, many, many years, about 30-odd years now. And a few years ago, we got to the point where our kids would come, and they would bring their boyfriend and girlfriend, yeah. and then they would also invite their friends. And then Christy and I, we would invite some of our friends, and the whole thing got bigger and bigger and bigger, and it was great fun. And we would go for a month. We would go for the whole of August. And we used to stay in a hotel called a Shire, which is an amazing hotel. You've got this massive stage in the middle. And we would have balcony view rooms. And we'd go out there and we would see, you know, David Getter would be playing one night and Dead Mouse would be on the next night. And, you know, Avicii would be playing. It was just amazing. And then we'd do that for 10 days. Then we used to go and have three weeks in um, probably two or three different villas around the island, these beautiful villas. Um, the last time that we did that, on the last night, there was just Christine and I. Everybody else had gone home and there was just the two of us. And we were clearing up and we're tidying everything and making sure everything was immaculate before we would leave. And we were like, whose holiday is this? You know, this is like, this is just crazy because we we are on a holiday for everybody else, which is lovely, but we're not getting a rest ourselves. So the, that later on that year, it's Christmas time. And we sat there with all the family. And that is the time when we would plan to do our summer break. And the kids are like, right. so when are we going to Ibiza and who's going and how are we going to do it and all that type of stuff. And we said, look, we were not going this year. And the kids were like, what? So yeah, we're not going this year. Uh, Mum and I, we're going to go and do a hiking holiday in the Yorkshire Dales. So for those of you who know the Yorkshire Dales, this is, you know, Heathcliff. Heathcliff, it's me, Kathy. Yeah. It's kind of that sort of area. It's bleak. Yeah. It's desolate. It's misty. It's wet it's one of those things we said we're going hiking and we're going there kids if you want to come you can come with us but we're not paying for everyone to go to Ibiza the last time we went it cost 55,000 pounds so about wow. $80,000 for a holiday for everybody wow. else so we're like we're not doing that so we went on this trip in the summer we actually did it that was the other thing the kids thought we were kidding so we thought we're definitely <laughs> going to do it <laughs> <laughs> That'll teach them. Um, so we 
so we we were on this hiking trip and every day we would at breakfast think of a question and by the time we'd finished dinner that night we had to have answered the question so we'd go on we'd hike and we kept going in and out the question and one of the questions that christine came up with this question is so brilliant and it's how much is enough Mm. how much is enough and we started to talk about our lives and what we have and how much is enough money how much is enough space to have how much is enough you know recognition how much is enough you know what how much do you really need of things and by the time we finished dinner that night and we you know put our um, glass down and we looked at each other and went you know what we have enough we have enough of everything and we don't need anything else so the next day the question was if we were coaching ourselves what advice would we give so christine's a coach i do coaching what advice would we give wow and we advised that we would close our business and we would absolutely downsize so we went at one point we used to have 60 something staff and we did every type of training you could imagine it was all sorts and then we shrank that down and then we at that point we had um eight or nine people i think it was and we made sure everybody got new jobs everybody went on to do stuff that they wanted to it was the most painless thing it was brilliant we kept our pa vanessa and we just absolutely slowed right down and i have to tell you ken that was about seven years ago it was one of the greatest things i've ever done ask a question how much is enough and then change your life to fit with what you actually have right now. What a relief. That's why I'm happy all the time. Wow. I I, I was talking to, because I do coaching too, and I was talking to a client the other day, and I'm like, and, and the, the, the conversation was all about how messed up their employees were making their lives. And, yeah. and I'm like, I remember that because my wife and I did something very similar and, and it was kind of the universe forced us <laughs> like, you yeah. know, but oh my gosh, it's such, and it's not, I, I have nothing against employees, but it's just easier not having them. When, when I first started my business, I thought it was a measure of success that you would employ lots of people. So I ended up with all these people working for me and I, every time there was a gap oh we employ somebody oh it's like oh we need that we'll employ somebody and we did that yeah. and and christine my brilliant wife she was working for um a university at the time newcastle university and one day she turned to me and she said michael what are you what are you doing i said what do you mean she goes, what are you doing exactly what are you doing with this business i was like well it's just everybody's having a great time and you're worried all the time and you're thinking about paying everybody's mortgages and not and you and you find it difficult to pay our mortgage. Yeah. So what what the hell's wrong? I was like, and she goes, and then she said, and this is where Christine's brilliant. I mean, she's so ruthless. <laughs> she said, she looked at me in the eye and she said, Michael, you're not running a business. You're running a babysitting service for adults. Hmm. Wow. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. Right yeah. in the kisser. And the thing is, I couldn't. I couldn't disagree. I would do anything for my staff. I would make sure, oh, they've got to be happy. They've got to have this. They've got to have that. And you know what? In the end, they were, some of them were just absolutely taking the pee out of me. Wow. Sorry, That's I had Gittimer just just texted me and asked me for the link to this. He wants to he wants to to be in the comments. So, um, so so um, wow, man. It's, it, did you let all 60 people go at once or did you, was well, it a, what happened, what happened was, um, this is in two goes. So the first, so I, and then this is another stupid mistake. I built up this brand, this Michael Heppel speaker brand. And that's when I met Jeffrey. You know, we would, we, I was doing events. I used to do event management as well. Um, everything was going really quite well. And then I met two other guys who had another training business and they said, we should merge, and then we can do a full suite of training, everything you can imagine. Yeah. So I merged my business in with them. We, I mean, honestly, if you wanted it, we could provide it. Wow. We were doing CAD training, you know, three-dimensional design training. We bought an outward bound center in the Lake District in the um, northwest of England. We used to do leadership training. We did first aid training. We did everything you can imagine, government projects, all sorts of stuff. 
So we had 60 full-time staff and about 200 associates that could do all sorts of stuff. And at the end of about a year, I was looking at, and they used to keep me away from finance. Oh, Michael, you focus on doing this. You focus on that. We'll take care of the money. Do you know why they didn't want to keep me out of the way? Because it was skim, skim, skim. Management fee for this. That business yeah. takes over. I, we own this. We'll have that, all that type of stuff. And I realized that I, w- I was working harder than I'd ever worked in my life. And these two so-and-sos were making most of the money. Wow. And I was a minority shareholder. Big mistake. So eventually got to the point where it was time to buy my own company back. Jeez. And I had to buy my own business back because one of the very clever things that they did was when we merged into this other group, they went, you, Michael, we need to make sure we get everything copyrighted and protected and names protected and methodology protected and all that type of stuff. So we did all of that. So I had to buy it back. I couldn't just stop and then say, well, I'm starting to get a new business, Michael Heppel, because I it was how to be brilliant. It was all that type of stuff. So that was the first step. So we moved back and we took nine people with us and um, had a few changes and a few things. And then this team of nine, that was when we shrank that down to the team of just the three of us. Wow. Myself, Vanessa, and Christine. Now, you've I I know you've written several books. Um, what's What's the very first book you wrote? How to Be Brilliant. And it's I, I have not read it yet, but I can't wait to read it. I I know just watching some like if you if people go to YouTube and type in your name and how to be brilliant, there are a lot of great videos of you speaking and talking about it. Yeah, that's where the that's the isn't that the the speech where the bacon sandwich comes in. No, I was a different one. I mean, the one way you can see me talk about how to be brilliant, if you search Michael Heppel London Business Forum, yes. there's a great organization, the London Business Forum, and they've got some nice clips of me doing my stuff there. Yeah. Yeah, so that's where it started. It started with how to be brilliant, and then, yeah. you know, it's gone on. And, and what, you know made what? You, on. what made you decide to write that book? Well, it... <laughs> it's another little story. <laughs> so... <laughs> So here's what here's what happened. I um I've been teaching how to be brilliant for ages, and then I decided I was going to make an audio program because do you remember the old Nightingale Conan audio yep. sets? Yep. I mean, I've got hundreds of those things. So I was going to do one, and I'm going to do my own CD. So this is it. And you've got to have a big package, don't you? This is you've got to have, you've got to have something like that. Yeah, <laughs> all that just to hold six CDs. Oh my God, that's yeah. crazy! And wow. I wrote, I wrote on the front. I mean, this is it's embarrassing now, but look, look what I wrote on the front there. Number one of five million. Wow. Okay, fourth of February two thousand and three. Anyway, we sold about two hundred. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so no, visualization doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't matter because, yeah, exactly. It definitely doesn't work. All that secret stuff is a crock of. Um, <laughs> anyway, the um, so I I'm thinking right. Okay, I need to do something with this, and I so I said I set a goal, and I thought right, I'm going to write a book, and it will be published before the end of this year. That was my big goal. I'm going to set a goal that'll be published before the end of the year. This is in January, yeah. and. I went on to um, a, a course, a thing called 2020, which was where people were looking at what the world will be like in 2020. I mean, nobody guessed this. <laughs> nobody guessed it. We were <laughs> yeah. talking, and this was like 16 years ago. Yeah. And, I, and when I was on that course, I met this guy called David Bell, who was director of people for Pearson, the publishers. Okay. And... I, I just thought I'm going to go and have a chat with him at the end. So I just walked up to him at the end of this thing and I went, Mr. Bell, I loved your talk. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I would love to come and meet with you in your office in London and talk to you for an hour. And he was like, yeah, no problem at all. And somebody said, never ask never ask a successful person if you can pick their brains because right. they, always, they always die a little bit inside. And somebody says, can I pick your brains? They always go, oh. <laughs> all right. Your office and I'd like to talk to you for an hour. So at the end of the hour, I said, I just want to say thanks so much. I've got a gift for you. And I gave him a set of these. I mean, I had, I had plenty left, so it wasn't a problem. So I gave him a copy of the, of the CDs. And he I looked and he went, wow, is this a book? 
And I went, no, and he went, it should be. What a great title. How to be brilliant. Yes, it definitely, definitely should be a title. Let's let's do it. Let's do it. And I, so I'm going to introduce you to one of our um, top publishers, a lady called Rachel Stock. So I met Rachel um, a couple of weeks later, and it was in a hotel in Leeds. I'll always remember it, the Malmaison Hotel in Leeds. And I started to talk about this idea of how it would be brilliant and what it would be like and what would be in the book and why people would buy it and all that type of stuff. And Rachel went, look, I love it, Mike. This is great. Yeah, let's do it. I think we can publish that book next year. And I went, oh, no, 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 no. It has to be published this year. And she went, no, no, no. It's, it's like we're already four months into the year. It takes sometimes a year to publish a book. Yeah. I went, no, no, it has to be done this year. I've set a goal. And she said, look, the only way we could do that would be if the manuscript was already finished. And even then, I would need it for like Tuesday next week. And this was Thursday, and it was Easter weekend. Mm-hmm. And, and I looked her in the eye, and I went, it's finished. And she went, <laughs> you've, you've not mentioned that? And I went, yeah, 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 I've, I've, I've written it, every word. And she went, really? I went, yeah. And you'll have the manuscript on Tuesday. <laughs> and she went, well, if you can do that, we actually have a slot because one of our other authors is so far behind, he's not going to make it. So he's going to oh lose his slot for printing and marketing. So, yeah, if you can get it to me for Tuesday, we'll have it pr- published before the end of the year. <laughs> anyway, I left there and I got in the car and I was shaking and I picked up the phone. And I said to Christine, <laughs> cancel everything. We're writing a book. <laughs> when? I went, this weekend. She oh said, my God. Oh, we're going to start to write a book this week. I said, no, no, we're going to write and finish the book this weekend. <laughs> so we wrote How to Be Brilliant in four days. Oh, my God. And it was like 18 hours a day, full on. I had my PA at the time. She was doing stuff. I was dictating oh. things. We had the um, She was transcribing the CDs so we could use that. And then we got... I remember handing the manuscript over. I said, oh, Rachel, I've missed the post. I'm going to drive down with it. <laughs> it was oh. like, of course, I'd missed the post. I finished it at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and I handed her the manuscript. She was like, oh, this is great. And this is the old days when you used to literally hand yeah. the physical manuscript. And then it would come back with editor's pen. Like in the yeah. white, you know, stuff in red. Yeah. On the, on the actual, um, on the manuscript. And I remember one of the chapters, I think it was chapter four. I said to Christine, uh, it's not long enough. It's not long enough. She's like, what do you mean it's not long enough? I said, I need to pad it out a bit. I'm going to add a thousand words. And she she was like, but it doesn't need it. Why would you do that? I went, because it needs a thousand words. It needs to be padded out a bit. So I added all this bullshit stuff in this chapter. Rachel, a week later, I got the courier arrives with this manuscript. There on on chapter four, it said, Michael, there is a problem with the begin, beginning and the end of chapter four. They're too far apart. Oh, my God. Could you please lose a thousand words? <laughs> You're like, son of a... Exactly that. But then years later, so How to Be Brilliant did... Well, I mean, honestly, when that book was published, all I wanted was my name on the front of a book. I didn't care if anybody bought it. If my mum and two other people had, it would have been great. But How to Be Brilliant went into the top 10 business books in the UK. Wow. And it stayed there for two years and four months. Oh my. And then the revised edition came out. It went into the personal development charts and stayed there for a year. And mm-hmm. it's now available in 27 languages in 80 countries. Yeah, it's done all right. That did, is amazing. When we did the 10th anniversary edition of it, Ken, I got in touch with Rachel and I said, Rachel, I'd, I want to tell this story at the beginning of the book about how we met and about this thing. I said, but, you know, I've got to, I've got to just say to you, I, I told a little lie. I hadn't written the book. And she looked me in the eye and she went, I knew you were telling a lie. Of course I knew you were telling a lie. <laughs> You hadn't written that book. You hadn't written a word. You had the ideas, but you, oh, you would have told me. I was like, you knew, and she went, yeah, but I also knew you would do it. Oh my you, god! You looked me in the eye and said, "You will. I will have that manuscript four days later." I thought this guy's going to do it. I don't know how he is, but he. <laughs> that is what an incredible story! Wow. 
So everybody yeah. needs. Okay, so I I'm gonna add that book to my Amazon influencer store, so so you can sell some more copies. It's on Amazon, I'm assuming. Yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah, you can get that one on Amazon. That's awesome. So you recently um, released a book, and and I'd like to hear the story behind. I, I when I open this up, when I open it up, I have a signed copy. Look. From you, Yay. be brilliant. Number one sixty one of nine ninety nine. Jeffrey Gittimer's watching right now, and um, he announced it on his his morning show, and 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 I called him and said, you know, I I, I hadn't I hadn't read anything of yours, and he said everything he writes is brilliant. Get it? <laughs> I said, all right done so so i ordered the book and and i've i've begun to read it i haven't read everything but i do uh because i'm reading it in 17 minute increments good yeah by the way i i don't know i i i said this in a comment on one of your streams or or somewhere you were i was born on the 17th day of the seventh month yeah you see and see, one of the first stories you talk about in there is Noah's Ark taking a break yeah. on the seventeenth day of the seventh month, and I'm like, "Wow, okay, I gotta, I gotta put these pieces together." <laughs> That's pretty cool. So, so this, do you know how this happened? It was because, right, I haven't hadn't written a book for seven years. Not because I couldn't write anything. It just I didn't have something that grabbed me, that made me really want to do something. And I did some revised editions, which are okay, but they're not a lot of fun to do a revised edition, to be honest. Yeah. And then um, we started this whole thing on um, online at the start of the year, and we set up a group called How to Be Brilliant on um, on Facebook. And then COVID came. And the world changed and we suddenly got a lot of people joining the group and it was a real beacon of positivity. And I thought, right, OK, I need to do something else with this group. So I asked the question, what do you want me to do? What Can I teach you something? Can I share something? And I, and I do time management. I do customer service. And I do various other things. 70% of people said, teach us how to write a book. How mm. do you loads of books. How do you do it? So I was like, right, okay, no problem. I'll do that. So I set up a pop-up group called Write That Book, pop-up group. And we've got 444 members. Wow. And then people go, oh, we want to do something. We want to do an advanced program. Can we do something else? So we said, okay, great. So we started something called Write That Book Masterclass. And 75 people joined. And I was really excited. I put together this amazing program for these people. And we did a big live training on the first night. And I was buzzing with excitement. This is so cool. This is great. <laughs> And when I finished the training, I, I went next door and I said to my wife, I said, I don't know why, but I feel flat. She says, well, what is this? I can't put my finger on I don't know what it is. And then I worked it out. I wasn't writing a book. I had 75 other people writing a book, but I wasn't writing a book. And I felt like a fraud. I felt like a fake. Mm. And I'm very fortunate that my books have been published by Pearson and Hodder, two of the biggest publishers in the world. Yeah, and I'm saying to people... You know, the world has changed. You can do self-published now. You can do joint partnerships with people. You can do you can do online publishing only. You can just do digital stuff. There's loads of things you can do. But I hadn't done it. But I was telling other people that they could. And I felt like a fake. So I thought, right, I'm going to write a book. I'm going to write it in 17 days because I love 17. I've always liked the number 70. I use 17 a lot. I'm going to sell a 1,000 copies. I'm going to market it. And I'm going to get the whole thing done. And I'm going to do it at the same time as I'm teaching everybody else to show them how it works. And sure enough, I did. But Ken, the big mistake I made was this. When I was first pitching the idea, and I said, so you've got to get this book, and it's going to have all these different ideas in it. It's going to do this. It's going to do this or this. And every single copy will be signed and will be personally hand-numbered by me. And that took me about <laughs> seven seconds to say personally hand-numbered by me. Sure yeah. It takes. It took it three, three days, and it wasn't uh, the signing. I can sign really quickly. Oh and, wow! You know, I like sometimes we do events, and there'll there'll be a couple of thousand people there, and they buy books for everybody. I go, yeah, I'll sign them, no problem. A couple of hours, I can sign two thousand books. Right. But hand numbering every single one 
and making sure that you take breaks and making sure you don't write down crazy stuff. Yeah. Massive task. So we did 17, the book, and then we launched team 17 and team 17 is, you know, a, a group of people. We've got 80 members now. And honestly, wow. I've never known a group like it. They are unreal. The accountability, the knowledge. We do um, a thing called 17 Minutes With, where we interview people for 17 minutes. And um, and we just, not one of them has lasted for 17 minutes. I interviewed Mr. Jeffrey Gitlamer for 17 Minutes With last night. And after an hour of our <laughs> 17 minutes, we were like, <laughs> we're just getting warmed up. <laughs> We're gonna do. We're gonna launch. Jeffrey's interview is gonna be done as our Christmas special. Oh, that's gonna be Jeffrey Kitterman. It's gonna be (laughs) yeah. He's he's incredible. So so the there's but there's a story behind the 17 minutes. What what is that story? Well, that that was that um, when I was fundraising. You know, we're talking about being a fundraiser, meeting these very successful people. There's a guy called um, or was he's not no longer with us, Sir Harold Evans. And Harold Evans was head of Random House, the publishers. He was also, um, at one point, he, you know, he's done all sorts. He was the um, editor of the Sunday Times. He was the big campaigner for the thalidomide drug for families. He stopped, got posthumous uh, pardons for people who had the death penalty. He was just amazing, amazing, proper good journalist. He moved to New York and... um, and I went to visit him to ask him for a donation and to ask him if he would be a vice president of our community foundation, which we were setting up. And it was the day of the O.J. Simpson verdict. So everybody remembers the O.J. Simpson verdict. I'm in New York. I'm staying in Times Square. I'm looking out, and the whole of Times Square came to a halt, and everybody just got out their cars and started looking up at the big screens, ready for the verdict. And the verdict happened. And of course, America went. Bah! Yeah. And I walked to um, his office, and it was just up the road. It was only a couple of blocks away. Went up in the lift, and I'm sat there waiting for this appointment. And it had been changed twice. So I was flying home that afternoon. Had to have that appointment that day. It had to happen that day. And um, his PA, she said, "Mr. Heppel, um, um, Harry will be with you in a moment. He's just." taking a call. I was like, yeah, it's fine, fine, fine. Then a light flashed three times on the side of her desk. Blip, blip, blip. And she went, okay, you can go in now. So I, as I walked past her desk, she said, Mr. Heppel? I said, yes. She says, you've got 17 minutes. <laughs> now, and that that's never happened to me before. And it's never happened since. I've had people say, you've got a minute. <laughs> you've got 10 minutes. 17 minutes. That's odd. And I, t- I tell that's the story at the beginning of the book, but the bit yeah. that's people that isn't in the book is what happened next. So I go in, and he's on the phone to somebody. He goes, "Listen, you're busy. I'm busy. We're all busy." And he's pointing at the sofa. He's gone, "Sit down, sit down, sit down." She said, "We're all busy." This is really simple. I'm going to ask you the question one more time. Do we have a deal? Yes or no? Yes. <laughs> Great. Okay. Thank you very much. Put the phone down. Oh I, I, I. So he turns around to me. And he goes, "Michael, great to meet you, Harry Evans." important to have a good opening line so my opening line was um we're about to have the only conversation in new york that isn't about the oj simpson verdict and <laughs> say that to him and he went wow do you know who that was and he points over at the telephone and was like no he goes that's marsha clark on the phone the chief prosecutor doing the book deal 30 minutes after the verdict oh only, my- in america, Michael, only in america God. now what can i do for you Oh my, are you serious? 100%. Um, I was like, wow, I've just seen her on the TV. She did a thing, then she did the book deal. On Times Square out, out there, she was. <laughs> and then he's, she's on the phone to him. Oh my God, that is crazy. Yeah, That's crazy. crazy. So, so the book, the book is, I mean, I, again, I've, I've, I've started reading it. It's a great book. And, and I, I think it, where, where can everybody, is, are you still doing signed it's copies? Sold it's sold out. It's is sold it out really? in four days. So the next year, the paperback will be out. But in the meantime. Nobody can, can get a copy of 17? No 
completely sold out. Yeah, it's <laughs> wow. Collectors only. That's but awesome. Be a paperback next year, but they, I mean, this is these are hardbacks. This is the yeah. That's that one. But look what you can do. This is what I should I should tell people how they can get a little piece of seventeen. The audio is available, right? So the audio is available, and um, if you would like the audio, then what I would suggest you do is you wait until tomorrow because we have a Black Friday sale and it's going to be half price. So you can get it to get it tomorrow. But in the, in the meantime, if people want to get in touch, just if you go to michaelheppel.com, you see my name there, and then just do um, slash 17. And you can put your details in there and you can say, you know, I'm, I'm interested in the, uh, oh, that was quick, yeah. And people, and there's a place that goes, let me know when the paperback comes out. Put your details in there and we let you know when the audio is going to be available. Yeah. <laughs> Joe Joe Ingram said, what if I give you $17? Uh, then I would say it's completely underpriced because it's 17 pounds. It's 16.99. Look, where is it? There we go. <laughs> oh my God, that's awesome. Are you always, are you always so cheap, Joe? <laughs> but also what you can do is in way, if you see at michaelhappel.com, there's a little link called Team 17. <laughs> look, right. look right. what Gettimer says. 99 quid. <laughs> yeah. We know how we value stuff. He's always king of sales for a reason. I'm telling you. Have you ever been to dinner with him? I'm sure you have. Yeah, of course. Oh my God. It's 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 an experience. That's all I can say. It is an experience. We talked about um us having a meal together because Jeffrey got in touch with me and a typical typical american thing he went i'm going to be in england do you want to meet up so i said where are you going to be so i'm in manchester i was like yeah i'll meet you for lunch in manchester so we go to manchester and i met him for lunch he goes so how how far do you live are you, are you just down the road or what i went just about three hours away like <laughs> three hours away and you came to have lunch i was like yeah why not so he oh went, oh, well, look lunch is on me <laughs> did <laughs> he say we that and then we went to a pub and we had fish and chips Mushy peas. That, that, hey, if you can get Gitterer to buy you lunch, you're doing well. It was great. That's that was we became good friends after that. He's but, such you know, a good dude. Can I, can I just say this? Just so people are in, if people are interested, I, I'm I'm rubbish at selling myself. Well, I should be better, and I should be. And Jeffrey always says, Michael, tell people what they can <laughs> buy from you. Don't tell people the free stuff. Tell them what they can buy from you. Yeah. So, if you want to do this. Team 17, this membership group that, that we have, if people like the what we're talking about today yeah. and you want to join Team 17, then if you go to that place, michaelhebble.com 17, click on Team 17. Okay. Have a read of all the stuff that you get, what we do. But then here's the exciting thing. If you want, it's a membership group, so it's £99 a month. But okay. you, can get your, you can get a month for free. Free, no charge. F R E E E E E E E E. Right. Wow. And what you have to do is when you go to buy it, just put in Friday at 17. This is going to be our Black Friday offer. Friday 17. Friday 17. When you go to do it, and your first month is free, no charge. Mm. And what I would do if I was watching, I would think, let's go in there and let's just pinch everything during the free month. And then cancel at the end of the month and just have all the stuff for free. Good. If you want to do that, I think you should. That's fine. Because I really don't mind. I really don't mind if you want to do that. But my guess is you'll join the group and you'll want to stay. Because the, the group of people are unreal. And if you want to watch Jeffrey Githam's interview on Team 17, that will be released on the there we go. Friday, 17, first month is free. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing, man. And and that and I, I just I'm not the king of sales, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that's not really selling yourself telling people to cancel. <laughs> Do you know what though? I I really I would rather people did that. I've done that before. Come on, we've all done yeah. it, haven't we? We've joined yeah. something and we thought, well, if it's crap, it doesn't matter because I'm gonna get the stuff. And then we've actually gone there, and some of the things have been brilliant, and we've wow. stayed with it for a year or whatever or forever. I've got some 
subscriptions that I joined many yeah. years ago, and they're really good value, and I love them. And whereas if it is rubbish, then I would rather that you didn't stay. I don't want your money. I've got enough, remember? I have enough. <laughs> and that's a lovely feeling. I love that, man. Yeah. That is so awesome. The other thing I did was to promote um, the new book coming out, to promote 17 coming out. I got, um, I thought, right, I'm going to promote my other books. Do you know how I did it? I read my one-star reviews. I read the one-star reviews. Author reads one-star reviews, and I put them online. I put them on uh, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn. And honestly, people were going, I, why are you doing that? These are, you know, absolutely saying, you know, the most terrible thing. People were like abusive towards me in some cases. <laughs> and I just read them out, but people loved it. You read them on, on video? Yeah, I read them all out. All the one-star reviews. <laughs> Patronizing rubbish by somebody with an IQ of a small child. Oh, my God. American. My favorite one was... American garbage. I was like, <laughs> I'm not American. So I'm, either, I'm either writing American stuff badly or whatever. Yeah. Oh, my God. Gittimer says, whatever money you don't want, he will take. <laughs> I know, but you know what? Desperate looks bad, doesn't it? <laughs> it's not very sexy, Jeffrey. Oh, oh my God. That is so Mind awesome. You, he, has, he, has more, he has more ex-wives that he has to look after than me. <laughs> Oh, jeez. Ow. Ouch. That was below the belt. He, he said it to me yesterday in the interview. I, I know. He says. I love oh, this. My God. Exciting. This is somebody. Look, we've just had somebody join. As what? We, Joe Williams. Joe Williams has just joined team 17 oh nice oh a lot of people are going to join everybody on here go to michaelheppel.com forward slash 17 use the um code join friday team 17 team 17 or oh you gotta click on team 17 yeah and then when you order there's a coupon code you gotta remember put the coupon code in and, and miraculously, you are going to get your first month free. And if it, for any reason, if it doesn't work, don't worry. I'll refund you your first month. We're all so good. Coupon code is Friday, Friday 17, right? Yeah. Actually, no, I've just, do you, know what, do you want to know something really weird? I'm looking, I'm thinking, I thought Joe Williams was already a member of Team 17. And actually, it's his, it's his second month that's just come through. Oh. So it's not a new thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know when it pops up on the on the Thrive Cart thing. Oh, yeah. I got you. I got you. Yeah, he's already wow. it's his second month. But anyway, right. he hasn't cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he oh my canceled. god, that just reminded me. I need to cancel that. <laughs> If anybody needs to cancel, now is your time to do it. Oh my God, that's awesome! So I, I, this is this is amazing. I, I do have one last question I want to ask you. Sure. Um, and you know the answer to the first question I asked, you said I don't care, but but I, I think I think you do. But I, so listen, when I was my wife and I met eleven years ago. And um, we started our first office and, and it was a couple of years into it. Um, we had a bunch of employees and I had this day where the, this guy, one of my employees walks in and goes, hey, boss, there's a guy out in the parking lot looking in the windows of your SUV. And I'm like, well, you're bigger than I am. Go tell him to get the hell out of here. Like, why are you telling me, dude? And he's like, well, I would, but he has it blocked with his tow truck. I'm like, oh, shit. I, I don't know if you've ever had a repo man show up, but they're not, you can't talk them out of taking your car. Yeah. It doesn't work. So, so, you know, and that was a really, really, really bad day for me. And I'll never forget it because I, I felt like the biggest freaking loser on planet Earth. And, and how do you explain to your employees, hey, I need you to give me a ride to the bank so I can pay them? And, you know, anyway, 
for the people who are going through it right now, the people who are 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 struggling, and this pandemic, man, has has caused a lot of problems for people that mm. they're barely hanging on. What do you say to those people that are right there at the end of the rope and they they don't know what else to do? Do one thing. Just do one thing. That's all you got to do. When overwhelm strikes, just put everything down. So if I'm coaching somebody who's saying, oh, I'm just overwhelmed at the moment, I say, let's come on, let's get a bit of paper. Let's write everything, everything down. We write it all down. Get a whole page and then choose the easiest thing to get over the line. Just choose one thing and then just get that over the line. Just do one thing. Because I think what happens is that we end up getting paralyzed. Mm. And after you've done one thing, it's easier to do the next thing. And then it's easier to do the, the next thing. And my advice is pick something easy to start. You know, nobody's getting hero awards right now by biting off more than they can chew and kind of going, aren't I wonderful? Just yeah. do something and get it over the line. Michael Heppel, dude, you are amazing. Thank you so much for the time you've spent with us. This has been one of my favorite interviews. You're you're hilarious. Well, thank you. I, I'm a bit surprised it wasn't your favorite interview, just one of them, but I'll take that. <laughs> because I have to tell you, Ken, you're my favorite interviewer ever. Oh my god. And I've been I've been on the Alan Titchmarsh show. Oh my God. Holy crap. Uh, hey, touche. You're right. You know what, Michael, this has been my very favorite interview of all time. Yeah. I was just thinking the same. This has been my favorite interview of all time. Oh my God. Thank you so much. And thank you to everyone who's, who's been on here and shared this out. Jeffrey Gittimer, Please share this out. <laughs> I don't care if anybody else does. Tell Jeffrey it's E double L. He keeps, I know. Missing, he keeps missing the L off. I, I, I noticed that. I noticed that. He said top top one thousand. That's awesome. Top 1, yeah. He My wife to... says it's the best interview ever. So there you go. She's, she's smart. Oh my God. All right. Hey, stay with me, Michael, if you would. I'm going to end the live stream, but I, I'd like to chat with you just for a second. So, hey, thank you to everyone. Michael, thank you again. I'm going to have you, I'm going to have you do an Amazon live with me. We'll sell some of your books on Amazon. That'll be fun. So, yeah. So, all right, listen, everybody have a great day. Thank you so much. And we'll see you all later. Thank you, Michael. Cheers.